0: Welcome to the Roadmap to One Million podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Zeal, and if you're looking for the high-level strategies and stories behind building a seven-figure product brand, then you're in the right place. On this show, we'll uncover the advanced strategies, stories, and secrets that you need to know in order to take your e-commerce brand to the next level. Are you ready to uncover your Roadmap to One Million? Let's dive in all right hey y'all welcome back to roadmap to one million i am your host Stacey zeal and i am super excited to be here with y'all today because we have an awesome guest y'all we are as y'all some of y'all have seen we have started to partner with peacock on their show founding in color season two to really help to bring some awareness to the show and i'm super excited to talk to one of the uh one of the stars of the show chris witherspoon today who is the founder of pop Viewers. Chris is an entrepreneur, entertainment journalist, and a producer with a signature accessible approach to media and culture. And so Pop Viewers, if for, y'all, for those of y'all who have not heard of Pop Viewers yet, it is a community app built to deliver next level audience sentiment that helps viewers decide what to watch next. Now, let me tell you I'm excited to learn more and to talk about Pop Viewers because I am definitely one of those people who is always crowdfunding to figure out what should I watch <laughs> because I love to discover new shows, but I need to know, is it worth my time? Should I actually sit down and watch this show? So i excited to talk more about the app but first before we talk more to the app welcome to the show chris how are you today
1: uh hi stacy thank you for having me i'm so happy to be here and you called me a star of the show one of the stars of the show i'm gonna receive that okay because you're the first person to ever put star in front of my name in the intro so i'm here for that
0: (laughs) come on come on and receive it yes (laughs) i'm receiving it Awesome. So I'm excited to talk today. So let's start with a little bit of background. I know that you have a background in entertainment journalism. So I'm very curious to learn a little bit about the journey between getting into entertainment journalism and then going to transition to be a founder of Pop viewers. So tell us a little bit about that journey.
1: Stacy, so I, I, I come from a really small town, I'm taking you way back to the beginning. I come from a very small town in Ohio. It's called Warren, Ohio. I grew up in the 80s and 90s and, you know, my family, we struggled a lot financially. We moved around a lot. Um, to be fully transparent, we were evicted three different times before I was 17 years old. Uh, when I was 17, we were houseless for six months. Um, but Stacey, one of the things that we always sort of had in the homes we lived in as we bounced around was a TV and an antenna. You know, we couldn't even afford cable, but we had a TV and, a, and an antenna in and, and one of them rooms. Sometimes it was a little black and white TV um, with the antenna um that my mom like had from back in the day but i always tell people tv really was the thing that was like my third parent i had my mom i had my dad but tv and the shows that i would watch after school starting with oprah ricky lake all of am and then the news and then rolling into what was on at prime time whether it was a sitcom like golden girls or the fresh prince or a different world i uh, can't say cosby um whether it was those shows or it was a movie that came out on the weekend. I live for TV. I literally plan my schedule. Most kids will be outside playing, wanting to play till the sun come up or, or, or till the, uh, the lights come on, street lights. I was like, I know what's on TV tonight. It's Monday. It's Thursday. It's it's, it's Friday. So I always had this dream, Stacy, of not just watching TV but working in TV, working in the rooms where it happens, being in the studio for the news, the news broadcast. You know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do at, uh, per se. I know I want to be in those rooms where it happens. And also I want to be on movie sets and film sets and learn really kind of what's behind that fourth wall. So I made it to New York. I got to get into the first the internship with Good Morning America. I worked there uh, after college or my senior year of college, which was cr- incredible. It was like Diane Sawyer was there, Robin Roberts. I'm in the studio meeting all these stars. Uh, and then fast forward, I got to be in the NBC page program, which is a really Prestigious program where you you give tours of NBC studios, you get different assignments within the building where you work on different shows. Uh, you might get an assignment for like Dateline or the Nightly News or the Today Show, or you might get Saturday Night Live, which is like an incredible assignment to get. You're in the studio, and I I was there for a lot of show tapings. Uh, it was incredible. But you know, working with NBC, being a page. I got to work for a couple of different powerful executives and I really began to realize that I wanted to be, I wanted to shoot my shot and be an entertainment journalist. I knew that, as I told you, TV raised me, I had this passion for content. I knew about the history of certain shows and kind of also where the industry was going better than anybody. And so I, I got a job as an assistant to the CEO of NBC, a guy named Jeff Zucker. Um, I worked for him for two years. And then when Comcast acquired the company, he helped me get a job at the GRIO. And the GRIO uh, at the time was a newly acquired uh, African American news website that NBC News uh, owned. And I got to work there. I got to work as a journalist. Um, I covered so many great stories. Uh, my managing editor at the time was Joy Reed, who was on MSNBC. She also showed the readout. You should watch that show. What'd you say? I said, shout out to Joy. I love her on Twitter. Joy's family. Um, But Joy was my managing editor. And I got to interview so many stars. And I got to really watch, Stacey, how there were these micro conversations that were happening in Black Hollywood. Really, you know, in terms of the the TV shows and movies that critics weren't really talking about. Critics weren't really, you know, heralding empire or scandal as, you know, Emmy darlings or Golden Globe um, deserving shows and movies. But I also saw how we was breaking black Twitter. You know, we were breaking Twitter. We were owning these discussions that were translating into ratings. So fast forward, that really led me to seeing that I wanted to create a platform that can amplify the voices and the opinions of diverse audiences, and really leverage those analytics and that momentum to create better content and to really help inform studios and and content creators, what do we make next?
0: I love that. I love that story because it's so, it it illustrates, I feel like, you know, so much of us at least that have gotten into business have started in a place where it's like you start with just following your passion, right? You start with following something that you just really enjoy. And I love that you took it even back to growing up and how that was just a big part of your life. And really, like, I think that sometimes when we're making that transition to CEO, we're thinking that we have to start with something completely, you know, off base or something that we've never done before, or we got to start something that's popular. But I think that really there's true magic in being able to, Find something that you're passionate about and find a way to really impact lives by being passionate about something and just really showing people that you can make, you can make a living with doing something that you love. You can actually enjoy going to work. You can enjoy the industry that you're in. And I love that she talked about also how critics weren't talking about our shows. And that's so spot on because I don't like, I feel like I found out about Scandal through Twitter. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, Scandal, we should, you know, how to get away with murder, all of those shows, right, our our Shondaland shows. It's like, I found out about that on Black Twitter, right, you know, and so.
1: Let me just tell you, let me just tell you, Stacey, that was that was the first when Scandal came on the air in about six months in, that became the first ever primetime Twitter event. So think about think about how all the networks began trying to reach out to different Twitter influencers to create hashtags for shows even movies were coming out that never existed until scandal when scandal happened and it was us it was black folks coming together cuz we don't watch we don't watch content passively you know we we grew up in the black church we have congregations experience, very call and response when we watch shows. So Scandal had these very much so call and response moments where you had this set of a few hundred Black folks that really grew their followings from that show and from other causes as well. But it it, it never happened. You know, a, a network had never said, you know, TGIT and all these different hashtags to go with a show and began really courting um, influencers on Twitter until Scandal. Literally. And then after that, anything else Shonda touched, it became that.
0: I am so glad you pointed that out because that is so true. And it's so, and it speaks so much to how we shape culture, right? And we move, we're able to, and even, I would even say like, you know, culture then also shapes marketing. That's one of the things we love talking about on the show and my background as our listeners know is marketing. And so when you think about how culture impacts marketing and impacts the way that we the way in which you know studios and these big brands have to communicate to us because we are the consumers and so i always tell people when you're thinking about your marketing it always goes back to who your customer is and who your consumer is and making sure that you're finding a way to authentically connect with them in a medium that they're already using like twitter you know those kinds of things it's like we're already talking about these shows and i love that you pointed out how we do have a congregational culture right like i know that when i like whenever i remember Growing up, like on Thanksgiving, my family, we would always watch The Wiz. Like, that was our thing. We would all be together. The Wiz always came on on Thanksgiving. And so we're always watching it, you know, and we're talking about it, we're dancing, we're in the living room, all of us doing the dances. We know them all by heart right now. And so that is just so much, so indicative of our culture. And now we're just taking it and putting it on Twitter. And now these big brands are seeing, you know, what we're doing, what we're talking about, how we're moving, and they're trying to infuse nice. that into their marketing and into their branding. And so I, I, I challenge our CEOs to keep in mind that your customer is gonna shape how you market and who you t- and wh- mm-hmm. what kind of things you share and what kind of things you do. So I love, love, love that she pointed that out. No matter how far along you are on your entrepreneurial journey, there are moments when you may feel isolated, stressed, or grapple with imposter syndrome. Trust me, you are not alone, and hearing stories from other founders that have overcome the same challenges as you can make a big difference. Comcast NBC Universal's Lift Labs offers you that perspective by giving a platform to Black and Latino founders navigating the startup world and life's everyday challenges in Season 2 of Founding in Color. This three-part docu-series lets you hear directly from underrepresented founders. As Local Sports Network founder, Dustin McMahon puts it, every time my company reaches a new milestone, I get further and further away from people who look like me. Each episode of Founding in Color offers some gems from startup founders like Chris Witherspoon of Pop Viewers and Folise Oogamoken of Unscripted TV that'll inspire you to take action. Whether your business is an idea, or you're pitching a VC for funding to get to the next level. This is a must-watch series. You can watch all three episodes of Funding in Color, Season Two, right now on Peacock. So, on the show, on the show, Founding in Color, and I did watch the whole series. I loved the series, um, and I will, y'all, will see a, a reaction video from me as well, talking about the series in depth. But on the show, one of the things that stuck out to me was when you said early in your in your journey. There were you were being a version of a CEO and I'm putting CEO in quotes for those who can't see Um, and how you started to have how you had to start to embrace being yourself in order to, you know, get to that next level. So talk to me about that transition, like feeling like you were being a version of a CEO. What did that mean to you? And then how did you make that transition to really fully embracing yourself? And how did that end up impacting your business or or the things that you Mm -hmm. have going on?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. So, Stacy, you know, early in my journey, um, before I began even pitching the idea for pop viewers, I, I'm i someone who does research. I know how to get, do a deep dive in some research. So I began listening to every podcast I, I could find, every podcast on, you know, companies that were successful. One that I love is called How I Built This. And mm-hmm. I began listening to all these, all these different founders that I really admired, that built things that I use or brands that I'm aware of, um, products that I, you know, grew up loving, and I really listened to how these founders got to where they are. And sometimes when they asked these really hard business questions, the answers they were able to just spout off, you know, off the top of their head. Something I missed, though, was that a lot of the founders were just talking from a place of the heart. They were telling their story. They were making it personal. They were talking about, you know, Moments that cause them to be very vulnerable and what they learn from it. And also about building teams and having folks on their teams that might know about things that they're not that familiar with that can really come on and help them lead. So very early on, you know, I had this mentality that I had to do it all. I had to know how to, you know, talk like a CFO. I had to have the passion of a CEO and the vision of a CEO. I had to have the the sort of ability to wear the hat of the chief revenue officer. I didn't know how we're going to market and grow and scale because that was what I heard. And I saw some of the folks in like shows like Shark Tank, being able to just like get in the Shark Tank and answer these questions rapid fire. But I realized that's not everyone's story. Mm -hmm. And as I really began to like, again, listen to like what was happening in between the lines on some of these podcasts, I was realizing that, you know, a lot of the folks like the Jeff Bezos and so many others, um, they had really great teams around them, people that were that were a lot smarter than them um, and that were passionate as well, but they could really pass things off so they could lead and deliver. So I think one of the biggest things that happened to me was I had tried to get some funding in. Um, for about three months, I had talked to some VCs, I had talked to some angel investors, and nothing happened. Like, okay, like one or two angel investors invested, but not not anything with there were like big checks. A couple angels invested. It's based off my passion, my personal passion. But I'll never forget one of our big investors, he asked me to go to dinner with him. And I was like, I really just thought... He wanted to be a friend. I wasn't looking at him as being an investor anymore. I stopped I stopped thinking about, let's close this deal. Let's get this money in. I was like, let me just go have dinner and have a good time. I'm exhausted. I am I. I need a drink. And I need a, a free meal. Mm-hmm. So I went and the East Village and had this meal. And it's like, at a certain point, we did talk about business. We did talk about my company, my vision, my passion. But I wasn't pitching him because he just didn't make it seem like he had any desire to help me in any way, shape, or form. And I just wasn't thinking that. And I just wanted a friend and I was talking and I, and at the end of it, he asked me to meet my team. He was like, I want to do, I want to meet the two guys that are working, that are working beside you, your, your chief product officer and your COO. You talk so highly of them, let's grab drinks together. So we did the next week we had dr- drinks at the end of that meal. We, we, he offered to invest and we closed a significant six figure deal at this table over drinks. And I realized that one of the things that I did, Stacey was I let that man know who I was. He knew my story. He knew about the things that I overcame to make it to New New York City, the things that I overcame to get to college. Um, He knew about my family's um, obstacles. And just like some of the things that we leave out of our pit, because we're like, oh, no one wants to hear my story. No one wants to hear my personal um, obstacles and triumphs and mountains. But that is the stuff that oftentimes people remember. And that really shows them okay, this guy has been through a storm or two or three before <laughs> he knows how to sail through rough seas and get to land. I want to bet on him. I want to bet on him. And I want to, you know, yeah, I want to invest in his companies. I I want to invest in him. And one of the things that I always heard St- Stacy was that I might not get all the way what you're doing with pop viewers. I'm, I'm not an app user. Or I, I don't use this kind of technology, but I get you. I'm investing in you. So I learned to let people know who I am. Don't try to just like be the CEO of Pop Viewers, but show them who Chris Witherspoon is and then let them invest in your company.
0: I love all of that. And let me, I mean, a couple of points that I want to make sure that we pull out for everyone. Um, Because I think it's so relevant for our CEOs, um, especially, you know, as we are growing, as we are building these companies that are just continuing to get to that next level. And we, you know, started to make, have some momentum. Um, One of the things that you said that was just so amazing was that one, you one, you close the deal over drinks, which I think is awesome, which I and I feel like, you know, when I growing up, I didn't realize how many deals were closed over drinks (laughs) um, until I started to work for Zappos and really was like actually working for a brand that people respect it, you know? And so people were like, oh, they wanted to take me out. They want to do all these things. They want to impress me because I am the one who's in charge of saying like, hey, this is how much, you know, this is how much money we're spending on Facebook for ads this year or those kinds of things. And so that is, that is something I think is super impactful that, you know, everything doesn't happen in the room, like in the boardroom. So finding ways to get around folks in a way that kind of puts their guard down a little bit, kind of puts your own guard down a little bit, kind of like helps you to just really get into a moment of being yourself. Um, And then one of the things, one of the things that I think we definitely need to pull on is that you let him know who you were, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yes, I know what the app is. Yes, I know what the vision is. Yes, I know what I'm doing, you know, what what you're trying to build. And I may not even fully understand it, but I get you and I get that you are someone who can get through a storm. And so I think that that's so important because at the end of the day, people buy from people who they like, right? People, you know, we talk about in marketing, I talk about a lot, building no like and trust, right? And so people buy from things, people invest in people that they like, or people that they feel some kind of connection with, and they trust you, and they really want to see you, they believe in you more so than, than they believe in the actual physical, tangible thing that you're building. They know that even if you hit a roadblock, this is someone who is going to overcome and who's going to keep pushing through. And so I definitely want to encourage our CEOs out there to be yourself, right? Your customers yeah. and your clients, your investors, anyone who's gonna to be working with you any kind of relationships that you have they're really going to be in it because of you and because of they feel a connection with you and so don't shy away from being yourself like I think about you know me as a CEO like I have tattoos I have my mohawk I have like you know I curse like I go like I'm loud you know I come from a loud family so I'm loud (laughs) um and so it's like I try my hardest to not put on a facade I really, mm-hmm. really don't understand, don't, don't know how to not be myself in, mm-hmm. you know, coming into these different rooms. And it's because for so long, I tried to not be myself. Like I, I tried mm-hmm. to fit into a suit and, you know, wear this and wear that. And, you know, have my hair a certain way. And usually the only black woman in the room or in the, in the office. So as you, that, that comes with a whole other set of mm-hmm. code switching and all kinds of stuff. But now being a CEO and being a business owner, I realize that People gravitate towards me because they like me and because they like my energy and they love, you know, my story. And so I challenge all of our CEOs out there to think about, like, what is what is your story, right? What is your story? Why are you doing this? What is the purpose? All that kind of stuff. What is behind what you're doing? And that and becomes- would also. It's next no, go, go, go ahead.
1: I would also say practice being personal. Mm. I think that when we do our pitches. We oftentimes you know, practice the numbers and, you know, our trajectories and the why behind our company, but also practice getting in a room and those 10 minutes before you began talking and you began pitching and those 10 minutes after, how can you connect? How can you get personal? How can you let those folks know who your daughter is, who your sons is, who their family is? You know, when I worked for one of the most powerful CEOs in media, Jeff Zucker, I'll never forget that When he sat down with his direct reports like the president of bravo oxygen usa telemundo sci-fi these really really big networks it always got personal first Mm. i was always on on, on the calls i could hear the meetings oh how's your daughter doing how's this person doing how was your trip to cabo you know it's like they would spend 10 15 minutes getting very personal and and really kind of again bringing all of who they are into the meeting and then talking business. And I think that as Black folks, we oftentimes, when we get in the in, in the room, we're so happy to be there. We feel mm-hmm. so lucky to be there. And we get so caught up, and you mentioned the word code switching, and like trying to present the version of ourselves that we think they're going to want to invest in, right? Which is the business, the polish, the suit, the heels, all the things that we were taught to do To when we get in the room, that we forget that we got to let them really know who the hell we are. You know, because that is that is what they're doing with each other. These powerful, you know, white executives, they're they're definitely bringing their their guard down, letting their walls down and then doing the deal. And we have to remember that we we have that same privilege as black folks to do the exact same thing.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. I would even say that that's one of the things that makes us so unique is that we have these stories and we are able to one, connect so much of what we're doing to our stories, right? Like so many um, CEOs, especially, you know, Black CEOs that I come across, your why has something completely, that has something to do with your family, with generational wealth, with with forward progression, right? That's a part of our story, why we do these things. Like, I want my nephew to be able to be like, you know what, TT, I want to go travel around the world. I'm like, okay, well, it's paid for, and you got the best (laughs) tour guide to keep you safe, okay? You know, and so these kinds of things are, I think, what makes us so unique and makes us so... And then adding on that we are resilient. We come from a resilient culture. And so it's like showing people that we are resilient and that when we do run into roadblocks, we are going to overcome those things. And so a few of those, a few of the themes that like, you know, speaking of like code switching and that kind of stuff, like a few of the themes that came up from the show when I was watching, especially in your episode, uh, which is the the first episode, y'all. If you want to make sure y'all check out Chris's episode, it's the first one. Um, Some of the themes that came up were imposter syndrome, being creative to fund your vision, learning from your mistakes. Like, so what are some of the challenges that you would say that stick out for you as a black gay founder that really kind of turned into a lesson that guides your business or guides you um, today?
1: Well, I think one of the things that you mentioned um, earlier on was code switching as a Black gay founder. Like, I think that sometimes, again, I would try to get in the room and suddenly change my voice and get very masculine and try to try to be this alpha male CEO that, like, when you try and be someone that you're not, you literally will fall in life. You will fail. You will fall f- f- flat on your, f- on your face. Or you might... You might find some favor, but it won't last too long because people they they respond to your high level vibration, and it do no not matter what you are or how you show up. As long as you're coming in the room and you are shining, they will know that you have what it takes to lead and to guide a vision. But I think funding was a huge apple for me for the company, but personally, like again, I come from a family who has never really had access to wealth, so I never had. I've never had and I didn't have relatives to call on to help with seed funding for my company. Um, so I talk about it in the in, in the show. Um, I was driving Lyft. I was I was literally in a car, my car that I was leasing, and I was getting on the uh, uh, on the roads here in New York, and I would literally be leaving sometimes doing a segment for the Today Show or the Wendy Williams show, these places where I would go on as an entertainment journalist, and you know, people know me for what I do um well some folks do and then i'll be getting i would get a car home they always send you a luxurious like a cadillac escalade something a navigator something fancy and i would get out makeup still on tv makeup still on cute outfit on and i'll drop my back i would get in my car and i would start driving and it was in the beginning i was very much so ashamed i'll be honest i was very ashamed of what i was doing i i felt a sense of okay, Chris, you have a college degree, you literally are, 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 you know, you've done all this stuff in entertainment, but you don't want to have a full-time job as a journalist anymore. Um, But now you're doing this thing that our culture and our society, gig culture, there's some shame around it. It's like, I felt this sense of shame that I began to realize you got no reason to be ashamed. You know, there are people out here who are providing for their families, who are making a living. doesn't matter what you're doing as long as you're you know, making an honest living and that you're, you know, doing it, providing a service in some way to someone to help them. And what I began doing was, Stacey, I began using my car really as a focus group. I shifted from shame and I began saying, okay, how can I strategize in this car and learn from these folks that could become future users of pop viewers? What are they watching? How they discover their their latest binge? um, What platforms are they using to consume content? And I used to get all this insight when I began using my car as a focus group and not everybody wants to talk, but some folks will start talking and I would say, oh, you know, I would, I would do the little, the casual conversation. Then I would get into like, you know, so do you watch? You know, what shows are you watching? Because that's always a good one. And I would begin to realize that I'm onto something. You know, I would I would say to them, "I'm creating this thing. Would you use this?" Uh, and I would always get the most amazing feedback. Oh my god, I struggle all the time discovering my latest binge. I would so download and use your your company Pop Viewers. Um, but it was it was one of the hardest things I've done professionally was to take that take on that job. I gave hundreds and hundreds of rides um and just realize that you know what chris you have to bet on you you know you have to bet on your dream and on your vision and you got to make this pop off no pun intended by any means necessary there's no plan b there's no yes. plan b
0: i love that i love one of the things one we're gonna have to definitely pull out a quotable of shifted from shame that is that's it right Ooh, there. come um, on I'm yes shame, because that is so like I'm, i feel that so you think
1: from shame to strategy
0: Yeah. shifted from shame shame to strategy. strategy.
1: Yes. That's that's what what I I did.
0: You did. Right. Like you, like literally the marketer in me is jumping right now because I'm just like, use what you have to, uh, to fund that vision, but then also take that time to do that market research and to use what you Mm -hmm. have. Like you're already driving anyway. You already got to get these people from A to B. So might as well ask them, are you in my target market? What do you, you know, what, what kind of, you know, what shows are you watching? What are you into? Like, how are you finding these shows? Like, using what you have to build your dream. And I think that is so important because like, I would even say like, you know, I left my, I left corporate, my left corporate job at Zappos last year in April of 2021. And I left, my business was on a high, like everything was going great. Everything was going up. I got to this point where I was like, I can't take on another client and do my full-time job. So I had to let the full-time job go. After a couple months, things went way down things just started to slow, just like go down. It was like, well, what happened to all of these revenue, all these clients, all this stuff. I was in a, in a phase of pivoting because I felt like I was out of alignment with my business. And so it was a lot of like having to really figure out like, what am I doing? And so that shame piece does come up because I'm like, oh my goodness, I literally was working at this Grand company, all this big notoriety, getting taken out, all these things. But now I'm struggling to really mi- bring my business to life. I'm struggling to fund my business and just fund my life. And to so pay rent,
1: to pay to, to to pay con ed, you know, exactly. struggling struggling for the little. I was struggling for groceries. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. literally, yeah. literally,
0: yeah. and so those are the kind, so and the shame. I will say like the shame is not helpful. Like it really, really, it really drains your energy because there are times when you're looking like, okay, this builds you, this builds you. I don't know where this money is coming from. And that shame piece does not help you to figure out how am I going to make this money? How am I going to get to the next level? And so I really, I love the transparency that you've shared on the show and here, because I think that there's a lot of things that people don't talk about. Like we don't talk about how we have to drive lift to fund our dreams. We don't talk about how we have to dip into our retirement account to be able to pay the developer to get this act going and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And so it's, it's so important, I think, to really kind of have these stories, to share these stories, because there are so many people that are in this space right now that are just feeling like they're alone. Because I know that I felt like I was alone because I saw a community of people around me who were making all this money and who were doing all these things and doing all this greatness and money comes to me easily. And it's, and I'm just like, well, wait a minute. Why is it not that coming to me so easily? Yes. yes. Oh, it's,
1: and, I say, it's- and I say, use it, use it in the room, use it in the room, all the things you have to go through all the struggles, you know, f- pulling from your, you said your 401k, your savings, whatever it is, driving lift, whatever you got to do, you got to do DoorDash, whatever it is, bring it in the room with you. Once you get in the room, bring it in the room. And I began doing that. I began bringing it to dinners and bring it in the room. And like, I learned to like, not just, you know, break away from shame, but really showcase, showcase my struggle because that, again, it really, it really proves people that I'm resilient. I'm a, I'm a creative thinker. I'm a critical thinker. I'm a strategist and I will find a way to the top. You know what I'm saying?
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's, uh, and a lot of times, like, it's not necessarily that you're going to bet on the person who's always won, like the person who's gotten a hundred percent on everything that they've done. I'm probably going to bet on the person that's like, I failed a bunch of times, but I keep getting up and I keep going. I'm going, I'm not going to let this failure stop me because there have been plenty of times when I'm like, I do not want to get out of bed. I am exhausted, but it's like, how is this dream going to come to life if I don't get out of bed? How is this, you know, how am I going to create what I want to create and have the vision that I want to have and impact the lives that I want to impact if I don't get out of bed and get up every day and continue to fight for what I, for for what I for what I'm doing? And What we're doing as founders is really coming up with something that doesn't exist, you know, like coming up with something from your brain and actually making it tangible. That's hard. It's difficult, and it's okay for it to be for for you to struggle. You know, like it's okay to talk about your struggle. And I love that you said bring it in the room with you because it does tell you, it does tell people in the room that this person is resilient. Like this person may have had to, you know, had to. Um, use their last to get here, to get into this room, but they got into this room, right? That's the person I want to bet on. That's going to put themselves in the room for sure. <laughs>
1: I, I tell you, Stacey, I mentioned to you um, before the interview, I was at the White House yesterday. I went to the mm-hmm. White House with my son, who's 11. And one of the things that really gave me chills when I walked through the White House and you're looking at paintings of all these presidents. I mean, you got Abraham Lincoln on the wall, John F. Kennedy, Reagan. I mean, all these people who changed the world, Obama. Well, what I told my son when we left, I obviously gave him this big talk beforehand about how important, you know, soaking all this in. But when we left, I said, I want to let you know that to be great, you're going to have failure. Every single guy on those walls and some of the first ladies, but all those men who were presidents, they are part of history. They did something so great. Walking through those halls, stepping on the same carpet that Abraham Lincoln stepped on. All those things, you get chills, but you also know that they met a lot of scrutiny. They faced in, you know, insane amount of rejection on a regular basis, and failure for the the campaigning, you know, that process, you have a lot of folks that literally check no on the ballot box before you ever get those yeses. And then Mm. once you're in the White House, you try to get bills passed so many different things you have half the country sometimes that thinks that you're awful, you know, but just know that Part of being great is getting back up in the morning and getting back behind that desk in that Oval Office and being inspired to lead this country. And it's the same thing for our companies. Just know that you're not going to have everybody say you're great and amazing and we're voting for you. We're betting on you. But you will have a few of them that do. And you really focus on those folks. You focus on your the people that really believe in you and you focus on your vision you have for this business and this brand. And that's it.
0: Yeah. Yes. I love that. I, I love all of that for sure. So when you think back to where you were, um, a couple of years ago with pop viewers, what is a piece of advice that you want to pass on to a founder who may, have, who may be now where you were a couple of years ago with pop viewers and they're struggling. They're trying to push through. They're trying to get that funding. They're trying to get into those rooms. Like what is something that sticks out from your journey that you love to pass on to those who were, who were in that same position?
1: A couple of things uh someone told me something um early on um during this time you're talking about on an informational call he was an angel he was an angel um that i was i was talking to this angel investor to invest he's someone this very well known as an angel investor but he was looking at it more as an informational and one of the things he said to me he said chris i want to let you know one, i'm not going to invest in your company right now just know that but i am going to give you some advice and write it down and i was like okay And the advice he gave me was the best investment. He said, um, people like me that are gonna invest or write checks in your company, they wanna hear your vision. They wanna, you know, I I wanna see you be passionate and be excited, but I wanna know who's on your team and why. I wanna Mm. know who's on your team and why. I wanna know what their background is, what makes them an expert in this space. I wanna know that you have someone on your team who might've been a leader at a big company before or a small company who may have had a successful exit. Um, I want to know that you have folks on your team that might know about things that you don't know, um, that have experiences that you don't have. Um, and and he said, and you have to also be willing to get those folks equity, give them a piece of your company. You don't got to give them all of it, you give them a small slice, but let them have skin in the game. Mm-hmm. He said, when I see that from founders, I know that it's not just them, it's they have these this, this round table around them of brilliant, passionate people who are going to help make this this, this investment. Uh, pay off e- even more. And I think it's something as founders, we have to check our ego, check our ego and recognize it is not a sign of weakness to say, help me, help me with my finances, with my revenue, help me, help me, you know, lead this department of my company. I think it's it's a sign of power, actually. It's a sign of, of instinct and strategy. So that changed the game for me, getting a COO who had a lot of experience. My COO is the former co-founder of the Grio, where I used to work back in the day, one of my old bosses, (laughs) Um, and getting an amazing chief product officer and chief technology officer. You have to have the team to bring your vision to life. Every athlete that we love, LeBron James, um, Stephen Curry, all those folks, we see them putting up points on the board, but just know they have dozens of people on their team. They have more than a dozen trainers and coaches who literally... Their focus is to help them bring this dream to life. Every actor I've interviewed, you know, you might see me one-on-one with Viola Davis, but trust me and believe behind Viola Davis, off to the side, there are seven or eight people who are a part of her team who really are behind the machine. And we have to remember that our our big dreams require big teams. Um, and that's something that I think I would love to pass on.
0: Yeah, that's such great advice. And I love that you um that you talked about teams because a lot of times I find you know, as CEO, sometimes we're trying to do it alone. Um, And I will tell you, and I will say, you know, this podcast does not go out. This email, these emails don't go out. These social media stuff does not get posted uh, without my team, okay? Because I very much am a visionary. I am someone who has the ideas, but I very much need to be surrounded by executors because I am living up in the clouds and they're like, okay, let's make this actually into concrete and something Mm -hmm. actually actionable. So finding people who, you know, like you said, your COO who has, done so much who's had this experience that you just have not had and i think that that's okay to bring together people who've had different experiences who had who can can see things through different lenses because as you're building something that's going to impact the world you know like pop viewers and something that's going to really really impact people and change the way people are discovering shows you don't have to do that alone you're really going to have to bring together people who can bring their different experiences. Who can help you to get to where you want to go? So I love that you brought that. That that was the advice that kind of sticks out for you, and that you're passing that on. Because a lot of times people do try to go at it alone, for sure.
1: Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Let's talk. So let, I would love to talk a little bit about a little bit more about pop viewers, because I know that we've been talking about it a little bit, and everybody's you know very intrigued. And we talked about why you you know kind of a little bit about why you started it and that kind of thing. So how? How big of a challenge has marketing been for you as an app, as a, as a founder of an app, because that kind of puts us into a little bit of a different lane. It's like, you know, some of us have are just, you know, we're using our website, we're using our online business, but so actually having to get people to download the app, actually having to get people to use it. So what are some challenges that you face marketing wise and how have y'all really kind of started to overcome that to getting to, you know, where, where the app is today? Yeah,
1: so I'll tell you one thing. We haven't really deployed um, any of our funding towards marketing right now. Like, we haven't done the big marketing push that we will do. Uh, We look at the version we have of the app right now, still sort of our MVP version of the app. So this is only uh, available in the Apple App Store. Please download this, you guys. You can get some pop viewers on the Apple App Store. Um, But what what our whole plan was to really learn from this version of the app, um, get to a certain amount of users, Uh, And just get as much feedback as we can into what features are working, why they're using the app. What are like the top three reasons people come and open up the Pop doors app throughout the day? Um, And then really go hard this year with marketing. We have a couple of pretty amazing partners. Uh, Steve Harvey is one of them. Uh, Joy Reid's a partner of ours. These folks got massive followings. Uh, Angela Yee uh, for Power 105 is a partner of ours as well. Um, so our plan is really to begin to utilize our marketing partners this year as we put out our version 2.0, our Android version. Um, but I've been really grateful to be able to, um, one, I still get to do what I do as a journalist. Uh, I do it when I want to do it. I do it on my own time. Um, but I go on the Today Show. I go on MSNBC and NBC News, and they always mention me as founder and CEO of Pop Viewers. They will give a shout out to, for folks to go download the Pop Viewers app. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, one of my big goals this year is to begin having in-person experiences. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, my my vision was always much bigger than just an app. I think that there are barriers to entry in terms of like wanting to have another app on your phone, open it up throughout the day, you know, get push on notifications, etc. But I think what a lot of apps don't do in our space that I want to begin doing is having opportunities to bring folks together. I get I get invited to see at least 10 shows and films a week from the Netflix, Hulu, Amazons. um, You know, I can go on and on and on and the major film studios. And what I I want to begin doing is really taking the experience of being a part of the populist community outside of the app, working with big brands, getting Zappos to sponsor screenings. Um, I'm just mentioning your old job. old job. I would um, getting-
0: absolutely reach out and make a connection if we- <laughs> Come
1: on, please. I would love that. Lyft, I would love Lyft to be a part. I'm, I'm manifesting that to sponsor screenings that we're doing like an advanced screening of a Netflix film or a show or a, or a uh, HBO Max movie. Um, but th- at the end of the day, it's like the app is sort of the first- start of engaging in our community, but the broader version is like having in real life screenings and events and watch parties across the country and bringing folks together around content. Cause you know what? I might not agree with your politics. I might not agree with your social stances, but I promise you, we probably watch two or three shows the mm-hmm. same. You know, the same shows when we can go in on, there's a show I'm doing right now on Peacock called Poker Face. Please watch it if you haven't. But it. I can go in on discussing each episode right now with someone who probably is so different than me but that's our kind of common denominator
0: yeah I love that I love that you um mentioned that one there there is a bigger vision than just you know where we start right because I think that as CEOs and founders, you know, it's so easy to sometimes get caught up in the day-to-day, but the reason we are the CEO, the reason we are the founder is because we do have to have that forward vision of saying like, yes, this is the day-to-day, this is what we're doing right now, but we have so many, but this this is the greater vision. And I love the in-person experiences because I think that that is something, like you said, like content brings people together. And, you know, we see how the magic of, you know, Black Twitter when a new show drops and all those kinds of things. And so being able to use pop viewers as, as a way to get people in person, to get people to these screenings, to, to really start ta- start this conversation conversation. I think I see that that just being something that's just awesome. I see influencer play. I see so many things. Um but so I, I love all of that kind of stuff. So so that's great. And 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 I love that you have your power partners, you know, because you talked about having those power partners, right? Because it's it really is important to make sure that one you are aligning yourself with the right partners because those partners, they have audiences, they can, you know, spread the message and get that kind of thing. And I'm always talking about how do we take what we're doing and get in front of the most amount of people, the most amount of targeted people without all of the, the extra effort, like, you know, all of the, all the extra this that we have to do sometimes to, to do this marketing. So I love all this. We've had such a great conversation and I think that you've dropped so, so, so many gems. So Tell me, tell everybody more about Pop Viewers, where they can find it, where they can connect with y'all, where they can connect with you if they want to learn more and all that kind of good stuff.
1: All right, you guys. So you can download Pop Viewers in the Apple App Store right now. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pop Viewers. Also on Facebook at Pop Viewers, P-O-P-V-I-E-W-E-R-S. And you can follow me on Instagram, all the social media at Witherspoon C. That's my last name and the first initial of my first name. And just stay tuned, you guys. Keep keep following because we got some magic happening um, later on this year. And I'm just, I'm looking forward to feedback, to ideas, and to ways to create even stronger community.
0: Yes, I love that, y'all. And y'all, the um all of those links will definitely be in the show notes. So make sure y'all head down to the show notes to get links to the socials and links to the site to be able to download the app and all that kind of stuff. I know that I'm about to go download this app now, y'all, and then make sure that y'all also check out Founding in Color Season 2 to learn more about Chris and some of the other founders' stories. I love that the this, this show had a um, a variety of different founders from you know e-commerce, like Black Girl Sunscreen was on there and some of the other like um, briefly was on there. So wide variety of founders that are have a lot of different experiences and bring all of this kind of conversations together, all founders of color. So I definitely highly recommend y'all check out the show. Definitely check out Pop Viewers. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode, to this bonus episode of our podcast, y'all. Let me know what you think. Leave me a review. Let me know if y'all want to hear more stories from founders like Chris who are doing some amazing, amazing things to help to inspire you to keep going and to get to that next level and bring that vision to life. So thanks, y'all. We're going to close out. Make sure y'all subscribe to the show because we'll be back next week with another episode. And we will see y'all next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Roadmap to One Million podcast. I just know you got a nugget or two from that episode that will take your brand to the next level if you take action. Keyword, take action. So head over to stacyzeal.co slash checklist to get a free resource that will help you to take action on what you learned today so that you can get on to building the brand of your dreams. And be sure to leave us a review so businesses like yours can get this gold as well. All right, y'all. I'll see you on the next episode.